Hello listeners, and welcome to A Dash of Salt with AJ. I'm your host, Ahsoka Jackson. This episode does contain some graphic references to suicidal behavior, so please check the timestamp in the description if you need to avoid that section and just listen to the other sections of the episode. Okay, if you haven't paused already, let's get started. I may have mentioned this already. I know I did another podcast episode, but season one itself has super quick scenes where we glimpse Reiner's team posing as displaced civilians after the first attack. But what we see in this episode definitely makes it more clear. And man, it's eerie to think that they were in such proximity to a 10-year-old Aaron, Mikasa, and Armin. Another connection to season one of this episode is that the story from the guy who committed suicide, that was the same story that either Reiner, Bertolt, or both adopted as their own story when they were talking to Aaron and Armin late at night when Aaron was looking for help in his training with the ODM gear. They even repeated that same flashback visual here that was used during that story of the Titan peeking through the window or door, but this time it was with the actual person. That was actually really clever from a strategic perspective. Have a believable backstory by taking on someone else's true story. And as harsh as this is, the fact that the guy ended up dead probably made it a safer bet to do so, since he wouldn't be alive to overhear you stealing his own true story. And of course, this brings us to that one big scene. By the way, my friend was saying that she thinks maybe the focus on suicide this episode, that man and uh, Reiner, is meant as a hint for future events. I really hope not, but that does play into a theory I've heard that sounds entirely too likely, so yikes. Anyways, we saw the scene previewed in the season 4 trailer, and this was another one where people had censorship questions. Understandably, they obscured things some in the trailer itself, but boy, they didn't hold back on showing this here. I mean, you know he had to survive for more of the story, even if he did pull the trigger, because there's still additional stuff from the trailer that we haven't seen yet from him. But even so, that scene freaked me the heck out, and I genuinely expected him to pull the trigger. They really got me there. And it was still extremely visceral and disturbing, watching him pull the gun barrel back out, and seeing just how far he had jammed that thing into his mouth. That scene was raw very graphically rendered and unflinching, even the little details like the saliva and all. MAPPA definitely hit that brutal AOT realism here. And I did take a look at the manga for this section. Yep, they very much captured it, so fans who had early concerns about that scene should be pleased. That was definitely a reminder that this is a mature audience's show. It also brings to mind the boy we actually did see shoot himself during Aaron and the team's first proper battle back during season 1. In any case, it was really clever how they used the cut right when Reiner was about to pull the trigger. I was thinking they were switching to another scene, but instead that sound was actually what stopped Reiner. It's funny how they sort of did the same thing in the trailer, but uh, in a quieter way than in the trailer. Having a sound cue, and I think it would be called a jump cut, that replaces the moment of and uh, click of pulling the trigger. And then the kids... See, that loops us back into that theme of abandonment. I think a, or the, key thing for uh, Reiner is that he doesn't want to abandon them. 
And I can't imagine being haunted by his own failures and then outright betrayals of people who are counting on him makes the thought of doing so again very palatable, eh? Oh, and this is kind of a random place to mention it. I meant to do so sooner. But then, I did just mention failures, so that makes me think of failings and flaws. We definitely did see a darker side to Reiner here. One I think did serve him well during his time undercover. Another reactor labeled it really well. Manipulation. He really does have a manipulative streak that we see him use to further his goals and that relentless pursuit of his. And he sort of called him out on it. He couldn't manage when they just needed him to deal with the Marcel crisis. Honestly, seeing Reiner of all people running in terror feels crazy. But he managed to pull all of that cleverness out to save his own hide. And of course, he continued that, ingratiating himself with Aaron and the team, bonding with them, pretending to bravely take on the female Titan just so he could slip info to Annie. And even with Falco now. I already explained in my reaction to episode 2 why I think his real intentions were there, but there is definitely still that skill and trait of how he both scared Falco out of speaking up against Marley's program, and he, how he got him to muster up some new resolve to become the armored titan and keep Gabby from doing so. Also, what I said about that whole dinnertime story. It's... hmm... unusual, in a way. For someone so broken and mentally unstable, he still manages to wield that weapon of his with surprising efficacy. Too bad he wasn't truly working for Commander Erwin. I feel like Erwin would have rather valued that manipulation or influencing skill of his. I'm not saying that he's faking things, by the way, like regarding his mental health, but it's another example of how Attack on Titan gives you these unpredictable, unexpected nuances and departures from the typical for both the story and characters, and sort of subverts your expectations. In a good way. Writers of the new Star Wars live-action films? Take some notes here. Directors, too. You've made subverted expectations into pretty much a dirty phrase for people by now. I do know folks are still going to find some of the stuff and character arcs in AOT to be super controversial this season, but I think people who do will still find it better conceived, written, and executed than your turning of Star Wars into the Green Milk Galaxy. As a matter of fact, AOT is going to be bringing some rather cool Star Wars vibes in this season. Anyways, in the midst of all of this, we have the kids as the saving graces. I'm thinking about that line, disguised in devil's faces. I feel like that's a reference to both the two factions of Eldians and the Marlins, because of how each side sees the others, and especially applies to the children and their role in all of this. And I mentioned that harbor scene before. There's that symbolic use of light someone pointed out, of how things darkened and Reiner went to the flashback into those places of, in his mind of the abandonment and maybe also fear of being alone or feeling alone. But things brined again as he saw the children clearly, the children he's working with now. I think he wants to protect them this, this time and not just be the one who fails and gets saved and watches his comrades die. Comes to think of it, that's another parallel to Aaron, eh? Aaron did his job pretty well, all things considered, but he still had that running theme in his life of being unable to protect people as he wished to. His mother, Mr. Hans, his comrades as a whole. For all he did manage, he still remained acutely aware of the losses as well. And he'd lost nearly the entire scout regiment by the time the season 3 ended. Not that this was his fault per se, mind you. 
It's funny how, as we see more and more take place with our Marleyan characters, we realize just how much they actually have in common with our beloved characters from Paradis, in both positive and negative aspects. And of course, that's the whole point here, isn't it? Especially the positive aspects, I guess, because we're already used to seeing the darker sides. But still, Annie wasn't entirely off when she was like, people from both factions lie and are selfish and are just focused on saving their own hides. I wouldn't say that's true of everyone, but it's very true in looking at the size as a whole, that there's plenty of bad to be found in all three factions here. Even if Marley has been the biggest and baddest at this point in time, and has been engaged in aggression against our other two main factions. I'm not saying this to make excuses for Marley or act like it's all the same. Heck no. It's just that we're learning that things are stickier and more complicated than they might have felt earlier. Just like the way the story developed from the Titans and how we thought of them as horrific monsters, but then they turned out to be people, suffering people at that. And then it gets even worse from there, but I don't want to repeat myself too much. <laughs> that makes me think of that line from the new opening song, or suspected line at least. We've already found that we'd mi been mishearing the chorus, so that just hammers home the need for official lyrics. But anyways, that line we have about, you are the real enemy, man. That topic, especially in a series full of both betrayals and revelations, just contains so much. I mean, trying to answer that question? Shoot. Aaron went from thirsting for the blood of Titans to gently laying his hand upon one, his eyes full of grief and compassion when they encountered it on their journey to the ocean. almost out of time so thanks for listening today and please don't forget to share and subscribe if you had a good time be blessed and stay salty